head into the Ringerverse to stay up to date with all things superheroes and nerd culture entertainment. Hosted by a rotating lineup of superfans at the Ringer, including Mallory Rubin and Van Lathan, shows will provide instant reactions to blockbuster releases, insightful backstories on canon, and mind-bending theories, as well as fresh takes on the latest news and rumors. Check out the Ringerverse on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Hello, and welcome to the Prestige TV Podcast. I'm Chris Ryan. I'm joined by Big Waz. What's up, man? I'm good. Just really super excited about this season of Succession. I did want to share a little uh, a little bit of life news with you, Chris. Nothing important, but I was in, um, <laughs> I was in Northern California uh, this past weekend for a wedding in a town called Blackhawk. Where's that? Is that Silicon Valley adjacent? Yeah, that something like that. Healdsburg, kind of like up in Napa? What were you doing? So, <laughs> this wedding was on somebody's estate. And mm. I don't even think estate does it justice. It was a fucking compound. Yeah. And, you know, like I'm sure you've probably been to like the random B&B rental or, uh, you know, event space rental in like the hills somewhere where it's just like really nice property. The place that I was at this past Saturday makes those places look like a trailer park in West Virginia. Like it was <laughs> ridiculously opulent. Like the basement. If no you disrespect even... to any of the people in West Virginia who may be listening or any, right. of, their, or any of their United States senators who represent <laughs> them who also may be listening. Joe Manchin, I know this is your favorite pre-cap pod. Right. And I was just like, yo, this is like, there's so many levels to wealth in America. And I'm just like, this is just a level that I've literally never, ever encountered in my life. You know, like you hear about how expensive it is to live up north these days. And to just imagine how much this plot of land is actually worth just basically made my brain want to explode. And so, of course, you know... I'm consuming concession. I'm going to rich people's weddings. I'm considering my own meager status <laughs> in the world. <laughs> Just a fun weekend all around, Chris. You know, here's the thing is like, I have a lot of questions for you about the first episode of Succession. And we're going to be talking about where we think things go in, in episode two. But one of the things that I always wonder about this show, especially when they get their frequent flyer miles really rolling on it, is like, do is it possible to get so rich you don't experience jet lag? Because <laughs> Shiv gets off the plane from the Balkans 
just looking better than I've ever looked after like a full night's rest and like a shower and a shave. Like she's just like, I'm here. The hair looks great. The outfit is pressed. I like is is flying private that beneficial? Like, can you just skip the jet lag? Yeah, apparently not having to take your shoes off and your belt at TSA <laughs> does wonders for the glow of your skin, Chris. So you should you should try it sometime, or at least do. Um, a friend of mine who, you know, again, way richer than I'll ever be, uh, was like, yeah, I don't even, you know, I don't even do private all the time. But what I never do is TSA. I do the joint where they just drive me straight up after everybody got on the plane. I go to my first class seat and I'm done. So there's an extra level to like global entry TSA yeah. where you can just skip the airport. Yeah. You just drive to the freaking uh, the gate. Okay. <laughs> it's it's insane. <laughs> glad we're all playing by the same rules. Um, let's talk a little bit about episode one first. I want to know, did you just turn it off after Carolina got out of the car? Bruh, th- that was that was crazy because we spent so much time talking about her on our first preview pod. And of course, she's boom, right there in the first scene. Uh just a classic, a great You felt heard. You felt seen. Of course. Yeah. A great, a great succession scene where you know Kendall does what he does and obviously we're going to talk about how utterly clueless this dude is but like she she goes to Greg she's like Greg did you know about this and <laughs> and Greg goes no totally caught me by surprise I have no idea I want to learn more though all it is and she looks at him like fucking idiot of course she knew <laughs> dumbass it was just great just like gets us right going into the season I like how they're now setting it up for everybody constantly has this opportunity to hit eject on the Kendall project. You right. know, like they, they, if you're in his orbit, if you're kind of in the car with him, if you're on the phone with him, if you've worked with him in the past, if you're an ex of his, you're just constantly like evaluating the viability of this dude's, this dude's status, his <laughs> ability to pull this off, which I think is ultimately going to be what this season is about. Like we've had these brief, you know, in the first season, Kendall tries like the board the boardroom coup in the second season obviously ends with Kendall uh, shiving his dad in the back, not to put it, no pun intended. This season, it seems like it's going to be a more protracted battle. Um, I'm curious about where your allegiances lie in terms of just being a viewer, in terms of just who you want to spend time with. Let me give you the, the way things have kind of settled out here after the first episode. You've got Logan, Frank, Carl, Hugo, and Tom in the Balkans with with Logan in an airport hotel in Sarajevo. Then you've got Shiv Jerry Roman on the way back to the States, kind of jockeying for who gets to be Logan's CEO if he takes a step back. And then there's Kendall and all his various hangers on, plus Ken and Jess. But he's got like the PR people. He's got Lisa Arthur, the lawyer. Who do you think socially you'd be most interested in rolling with? And who do you think morally you'd be most interested in rolling with? So <laughs> when they're on the PJ on the way to Sarajevo and Frank is, Carl goes, yeah, you like, you know, excited about the trip. And Frank goes, oh, yeah, I'm just so excited to go to the Balkans for an extended stay. Yeah. <laughs> like, like everybody, like this is, oh, it's just a great place to visit and be the fucking Balkans. Like it's the definition of being in exile, of yeah. being like just away from everything everything that you know and you're used to. I just found that to be so hilarious. And I know we talked about Carl and Frank being these grizzled vets, right? Like these hardened dudes. I just love that exchange that they had on the PJ. Now, 
you know, it's hard to take a moral stance as far as <laughs> who you want to see take over. But like, if if there was any justice in this world, yeah, we it'd probably be Jerry and Roman taking this thing over. Roman, as you so beautifully put in the previous episode, Chris is like, he's actually shown some like growth and development in understanding and leadership and what it takes to actually carry out most of these missions. And Jerry, more than anybody else, has shown himself to be the most competent person in the company. Sure. Um, even more so than, you know, even Logan, right? Who is like, you know, kind of getting older and longer in the tooth and is not as... As, as sharp as he used to be about these sorts of things, Jerry has demonstrated himself over the course of two seasons and one episode into season three to be the most competent. However, watching Ken just have the cards just stacked in your favor. You have the hand. That's why all of these people are lining up behind you. Yes. You know, that's why Sanaa Lathan's like, yeah, like, this is obviously the side that I'm going to take here. Because, like, they got this dude dead to rights. And um, that's why the PR company is like, Yeah, they're like, you? no, yeah. this is so easy. Like, they're like, no, this is easy. And, of course, he cuts them off immediately. But they're like, it's so easy. So, but watching Ken, he, he's so obvious, un obviously unfit to get this done. Watching him slowly but surely ruin this is what I'm most invested yeah. in. Watching Kendall blow the 3-1 lead is, is going to be incredible content. Do you think you'd be a good ghost tweeter for Kendall? Like, if you, if, you were, if you were, like, up against the BoJack guys as, like, you know, the voice of Kendall's revolution, do you think you would do a better job than them? Yes. Uh, and the reason why, and I think we're going to get into this, Chris, is because Kendall so desperately wants approval from 20 million constituencies. Um, and a, a lot of those constituencies, uh, Chris, is what I call the blue check aristocracy on Twitter, who, although I loathe and hate them, I'm very familiar with what sure. they like. Yeah. What they need. What those, gets those the Jay-Z the IPAs. That's right. <laughs> And so <laughs> that would small be plates. Yeah. that would be so easy to achieve. So yeah, I, I know for a fact I could do the PR messages, especially you know what you find is like these people want to believe in the goodness of our most powerful overlords so badly, and so it's not hard to craft an image for a guy who's already powerful that he's also human, and so therefore the status quo is more than justified. That's all these people want anyway. I was just trying to figure out whether or not Kendall would be the kind of person who was tweeting things like, to be clear, this is not normal about stuff. Like, was like kind <laughs> of a real normie resistance dude or like trying to position himself as that. Or if he was like, what, was he like, I want to be a little bit of an edgelord and have a little bit of like a surreality to my my Twitter voice. Kendall just has to be a Waystar Royco Ben Rhodes. You feel me? <laughs> like... Like, yo, like, this is straight. You know, like, this is, th that's stupid. But all this other stuff is straight. Of course I should still be the, you know, the the nepotism uh, inheritance 
beneficiary, right? Like, I, of course, I should be that. It's what my dad did that was messed up. I'm right. going to come in and make it great. Like, all this other stuff. Yeah, everything that's not me and what I had my hands on is BS. And I'm the great one. And all of me and my cronies are the great ones. It's, that's such an easy sell um, to certain type of crowds. Logan's openly appalling, but, like, the way the show kind of satirizes Kendall's use of buzzwords, you know, of the cliches of like the tech media world of his kind of like hat tip to like his sort of like gesture of being like, I want to be involved. With, like I want all these super powerful women around me, but never letting any of them speak. Right. is actually like almost more effective. Yeah. It, it shows you basically it, it's showing you Kendall's stupidity, but also like, it's also giving us a window into like, well, there was this potential that Kendall could have been, you know, a decent boy king. But like, as we know, week after week, like nothing around him and the way the world works around him would, would ever actually allow for that. But they give us these glimpses of Kendall's, you know, whatever, billionaire version of progressivism with the people he wants to appease and have around him. And like, you know, when he's in the car and he's calling Naomi like, I did good, right? <laughs> I did good, right? I did good, right? But what if I am the best? Yeah. <laughs> you know, he shows up to his ex-wife's house and she's like, look, you did something. Uh, I, I don't see, I don't, I've never known you to ever follow through on serious things and actually being like somebody anybody can count on for anything of substance. No, but this is legitimate what you did. That one thing you did was legitimate. And, you know, that's what was so dope about the episode to me, Chris, is that uh, most importantly, it proved us right from the from the previous episode we did. When it's like when Kendall has one thing to do, he was able to do it. Like, all right, I got to find the perfect time to stab my dad in the back. Yeah. I found it and I did it. Now that he has to actually start doing more than one thing, it's completely falling apart. <laughs> yeah. He has no plan. The The nod that Rava gives him is the the nod that anyone if you've ever been at a party and you see someone like talking about their life and their accomplishments in a really kind of like edge of coked up way <laughs> and like somebody else is just like yeah for sure for sure and it's like i don't know if you heard my podcast i just did one the other day it was you know it's not a big deal it was just about squid game and somebody's just like cool that's awesome <laughs> like i also have a job um let's talk a little bit about what these people want because I think one of the things that's sometimes hard to track in a traditional way is the uh, immediate motivations of any of the characters. Like, in any given moment, Shiv and Roman specifically might be, I don't know, uh, philosophically aligned with Kendall, but like practically aligned with their father. And it seems like, you know, in that those opening scenes in the airport lounge when they're kind of like, what are you thinking? And it's like, what am I really thinking? I'm thinking it might not be the worst thing to think that he's toast. And that kind of like uh, thought process made external is, is hard sometimes to track in the traditional way that we watch TV where we're like, this person obviously betrayed this person and now needs to make amends or now needs to go through with it or whatever. Do you find yourself ever um, tripping up over like what does Shiv want in any given moment? Or do you think that ultimately all of them just want the power? Yeah, so I think the show has has shown us that the characters have grown to... Un I think in season one, it was obvious that Roman 
and or Kendall and Shiv to a certain extent, but not as explicitly as it became in season two, they all wanted to be the, the first in line of the succession plan, right? Um, I think what Roman and Shiv have astutely sort of figured out is that even if that's your aim, you have to have a wider view of things in the sense to know that I need to be within proximity of it in the first place mm-hmm. if I'm ever going to ascend to that seat, right? Like I can't, get, if if I don't get it directly, the way that I don't get it is being completely out. So an understanding of building alliances uh, that allows you to be within the circumference of the power uh, is is what you see Shiv do ultimately at the end of the episode where she's like, all right, uh, you know, my dad wants to be an idiot and treat me like a piece of whatever. It seems like Kendall has the inside track on taking this thing. All right, let me go do the Kendall thing. Even though it's not going to immediately allow for me to become the CEO and the head of this thing. But she understands that to, she has to be in the game if she's ever going to get there. Yeah. Right? And, and I think... You know, Roman understood that immediately where he's like, yeah, let's let Jerry do it. Obviously, she's good at what she does. I form an alliance with her, but that puts me in the seat. That puts me in the passenger seat of the power rather than completely out by backing somebody who loses. And by the way, that person who you're backing who might lose might be yourself. Sure. You know, I think they the show has made these characters understand that like, Sometimes it's not going to be you who does it, but you need to be around it. Yeah, nobody really wants to just fill out the cabinet. It seems like everybody is like, I, I ultimate eyes on the prize is to be the CEO of Waystar Royco at yep. its most powerful. It's not about like being COO. It's not about being right. president of this or that. Only Tom seems to have limited kind of ambitions for himself, but ultimately I think he's doing the same thing that you're talking about, which is aligning himself with Shiv and making her kind of work for it a little bit now by being like, you know, when she's like, I love you. And he's just like, cool, thanks. Like, yeah. I think that he's trying to like displace the power and 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 change the sort of dynamics. About there. damn time. Yeah, standing up for Tom. I mean, watching him just get <laughs> cucked season after season was starting to become a little uncomfortable, man. What did you think of the, uh, the tug of war for Lisa's services? Because I thought that was really effective both to show... That was probably like the most honest Shiv has been in a while where you just get this little snapshot of her being like, I actually need a lawyer for me, not for, uh, not on behalf of my brother or on behalf of my father. I want to start setting up my own, my own ascendance here. But, you know, that reminded me, I don't know, did you see Marriage Story, the, the movie with Scarlett Johansson? And of course. Adam Driver, and like, there's all that competition for like, once you visit the lawyer, mm-hmm. that, uh, that lawyer cannot work yep. for your opponent. Yep. I thought that was a cool, it was a cool little d- trick. Yeah, and what what the what the lawyer Sana Lathan, who you know, very dope to see her on this show. Um, I'm I'm interested to see the cast of characters that this show is able to attract now that it's become this sort of cultural sort of touch point. But again, I think there was a just a sober assessment that like, look, this this whistleblower angle very workable, and so I'm gonna take the Kendall call. Like this is I've I've drawn the line in the sand and I'm taking the Kendall call and this is the side that I'm choosing. Uh I thought that was just, you know, the lawyer being smart, cynical, you might say, but smart in reading the tea leaves and being able to do that. And it's so funny how like the circumstances work out in the sense that Logan 
basically sidelined Shiv because the perception is that she wasn't able to close it. Mm-hmm. When in reality, she never really had a chance, right? So now Lathan's character chose a side yeah. before Shiv even got in there to pitch. And it's just like legal, like legal precedent states or whatever that I can't, now yeah. that I've engaged with Kendall, can't now work with you. And so Logan sidelines her, which then drives her into the arms of these people anyway, of Kendall and Sanaa Lathan anyway, right? Uh, like that, I, that's so dope, like how that domino effect sort of falls. Like Shiv gets killed for being somebody who can't get something done, but it like that this was out of her hands. And now her... And Kendall are going to form an alliance of convenience, right? Uh, I thought that tug of war was interesting. And just so how it illustrates how these decisions often happen in ways, it's not like the players had much choice in it, had much agency in it, right? Like, it's not like Shiv could have went in there and done a better job and been in a more favorable position within her father's camp. She didn't have the chance. And because... Logan just has a one-track mind. <laughs> He's just like, look, you fucked this up, bye. Get out of here. Yeah. You know, like, he he can only think in those terms. You know, it sets up all this other stuff. So that's dope the way they, they sort of conveyed that. Yeah, it's cool. Like, I, my favorite kind of scenes between characters are always one where in, in the tug of war for, like, I guess power it, in a very general sense is, is being, like, shown to us in, in real time. But this show is kind of excellent in in the way that they show the tug of war for power can happen across an ocean or happen from yep. an airport hotel and an ex-wife's apartment. And or like the watching, bathroom of a PJ. <laughs> right, or the bathroom of a PJ. When, when Hugo's like, you trying to find a vein? <laughs> I love all these tertiary characters who were along for the ride. Hugo is really glowing up. Yep. I really like... Uh, I, I can't remember if it was Carl or Frank who was talking about the Tiananmen accommodations that Roy Waystar Roy Cohen made. I'd love to see a spinoff show about the Tiananmen accommodations. Um, you know what was funny, though, is there was that point where Rob is kind of like, yeah, I haven't gotten a chance to watch your speech today. And uh, I think I talked about this a little bit with Andy on Sunday night on The Watch, but do you ever think about like whether or not like what's happening that we're seeing on the show actually matters to any of the other people in the world of the show like you know I, you look at like what's trending on oh, twitter right yeah, now yeah. Okay. and it's like megan mccain is t- trending i don't care why i'm not gonna click on it right but it's like she's like you know he's like trending for however long over tater tots but his ex-wife doesn't take the time yeah. to like watch the video i wonder whether or not like part of the funny part about this show is it actually like doesn't even matter the people outside these rooms you know i think the smartest people in and around the show in and around the the main thrust of the show have been those who wipe their hands clean of the family. Who are yeah. just like, yo, <laughs> I, y'all do this at your own leisure. I don't have nothing to do with it, right? Like, the Pierces were smart not to let um, Ray Star Royco take over, right? They're like, this is, this is a mess. This is ridiculous. Like, you know, Rav is smart to have divorced Ken to have moved on to like, all right, all the shit you and your family do, I don't care. Like, I'm a person in the world. People know that I used to be married to you and that I have children. So people going to tweet me. People going to text me. People going to email me like, yo, did you see this shit? But like, so I know what's happening. But like, am I engaging in it? Um, Am I invested in any of the outcomes? Of course not. Right. It's not, it's not like when, like, it kind of reminds me of, um, when the whole DeAndre Jordan situation happened and like it was like there were tweets about like Mark Cuban driving around Houston right. crying 
And I was trying, and you would try to explain that to anybody who didn't follow the NBA no. religiously. And they were just like, what are you talking about? It's like a hostage situation. And I was like, no, no, no. We just call it a hostage situation. Yeah. And, and you know, and the thing is like, you got to think of even somebody like Stewie, who again, one of the smartest people on the show, every single time he's holding the better cards than Kendall or whoever he's dealing with, Roman, you name it. Uh, even him and his collaboration with Kendall, it's only in so much as they get to take the company over and clearly, clearly shove Kendall under the bus and to the side. Like, there's no actual desire to engage with these people. The smartest people on the show know that you don't want to have anything to do with this family and, and the inner workings of it. So we kind of are now back to a place where we were around mid-season, season one, where Kendall had kind of... Uh, assembled and then failed to execute a boardroom coup. One of the things that kind of came out of this first episode for me, though, is this idea that the two halves of this civil war, I guess, need one another. That that without one another, they're just not as strong or not as stable looking. And despite what we just said about whether or not anybody actually cares about what's happening with this family, like the idea of perception is really important. And that like it seems like Logan is lessened by Kendall's absence, but also by sending his children away, you know, whether that was an act of protection or an act of self-protection, I don't know. What do you think about this idea that like the, the Roy's cannot actually pull apart from one another? Yeah, I think Logan and Kendall are, because they're so, they operate on different poles where Logan doesn't give a fuck what anybody thinks. And Kendall just, like, I, I tried to compile a list of people Kendall's trying to pull, appease. His ex-wife, Naomi, Twitter, Vanity Fair. It's like all, it's like all of these ridiculous constituencies where it's like he's too much in the weeds on perception and how to, how to operate within this modern world. And Logan is from a world where it's like, fuck that, I got money. I, yeah. I can make anything disappear, right? Which, isn't, which also is no longer the reality. And so I do think there, there needs to be an understanding of when to kill, when to show vulnerability, when to be, you know, when to persevere and be hardened. I think they do sort of need that balance, but obviously the family's too dysfunctional to actually understand that truth. Uh, and I think that's what the show is obviously showing. It's like these people are too dysfunctional to even make this work. So it's like with, with that list of people that Logan's trying to appease, <laughs> you, you left out any friends. Like he doesn't have any. No. You know what I mean? Like, and I, it doesn't really seem like any of them have any friends. Like, Roman was boys with that guy at the theme park for the, the one day where it was right. kind of like a, <laughs> right. a lockdown situation. And Shiv thought she was friends with Lisa and has, like, kind of had dalliances or whatever. But it's not like Kendall... I guess Stewie would be the person that Kendall would Stewie's call... Stewie's not his friend. Right. <laughs> so it's like, he's basically trying to appeal to his ex-wife his current girlfriend who's essentially his drug buddy, but I guess they're sort of keeping each other clean now, which doesn't seem like it's going to work out she's great. A, she's a sociopath, by the way. Naomi, let's talk yeah. about her. How you feeling about Naomi? Not a fan. <laughs> no, um, the, the idea that you would walk into this lady's house and basically Rick James put your boots up on her white couch, I, I, I just, I, I find that to be abhorrent. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, but um, I thought that, the, like, I, I agreed with Andy when he was talking about the wine bottle where it's just like, that's just ultimate rich person shit. They wouldn't even have a conception of something that was special and was being saved for an occasion. You know what I mean? I, I guess. I, I guess, except for the fact that, like, this is the dude's ex-wife, mother of his children. Like, there's just a certain level of deference that most people would pay in that person's home. 
Yeah. Right. Like in their home. This like I'm not talking about out in the streets where it's like, all right, whatever. Screw you. You used to be used to fuck my man. <laughs> you know, like I understand not doing that in any other context. But if you show up as a guest in somebody's home and you're just opening their wine willy nilly. So you and you, so you and that person's ex could enjoy a dinner in their crib without the like. It's absurd. It's absurd. It is absurd. <laughs> it's crazy. So we've got Naomi, we've got Greg, Rava, Lisa, the PR folks, Kendall in an apartment. Logan's in this airport hotel <laughs> in the Balkans, and the kids are on their way back or in the states. Shiv has now told her driver that there's going to be a new destination. I think we can safely assume that yeah. that's going to be to the Kendall. Yep. Kendall pad. Mm-hmm. What do you think happens next? What are you What are you looking for next episode? More. Okay, so Shiv is going to come in and she's going to immediately help improve the intelligence of the operation. Yeah, you think so? Like the, 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 the intelligence quotient is going to go way up having Shiv show up when, you know, the first scene is it's literally Ken, Greg the Egg, and Carolina, who's like, I'm, I'm out. getting the fuck I'm getting out of this out car. Of this. I'm getting out of a car in <laughs> oh, midtown Manhattan traffic. Yeah. Uh, like, done. I'm, I'm out of this. So we go from Kendall, who is so high, so pleased with himself, so high off of his own supply, and Greg the Egg, who's just like clearly way out of his depth. To, you know, now they have this high-powered law firm. And, of course, Shiv coming in. Okay, it's going to sort of balance it out. Because we know Greg the Egg and Kendall doing this on their own, left to their own devices, completely and utterly doomed. That's something us as an audience can see from a mile away. So the smartness quotient goes up. uh, And, you know, I think what the show is going to do, because, you know, you're watching Logan... The president's like, not taking a call from you. Yeah. Uh, Logan's like, well, I'm not talking to his fucking babysitter. Yeah. She, when he, <laughs> he has Jerry call Kellyanne Conway. That was like, <laughs> it's not working. So, you know, a lot of his friends are backing away from him. He's in exile. Like, this dude, like, he's in exile. Yeah. He's in a non extradition country. He's yeah. afraid that he's going to get arrested. Like, the, the, the deck is stacked way against Logan right now. And I think the show is going to find a way to sort of balance that you know, that power imbalance as far as who can win and who can wrestle control and who can more effectively shape the narrative going forward. So I think we're going to have to see a balancing of Logan completely having his head on the chopping block and Kendall and Greg the Egg's sort of bunker being completely out of their depth. Yeah, I think it's going to be like an incredibly intense second episode. And then they'll have to naturally have some kind of pressure release for like the middle part of the season a little bit. Although typically Succession has in that episode six, seven area, usually like a really high stakes thing happens. Like whether it was uh, Safe Haven in the second season, I think Prague happened in the first season, mm-hmm. the Bachelor Party. So we'll have to see. Wise, thank you so much for talking to me about Succession. You can listen to Sean and Joanna on Wednesdays. Me and Andy go live uh, on the watch feed. Well, we're not live, but you know, you can listen to it right after the episode goes on Sunday nights on The Watch. And Waz is on group chat and you can watch him on Full Court Fits. So thanks so much for listening to us. Prestige TV podcast is a wrap. Thanks to Erica Cervantes for producing us today.
This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.